Hello and welcome into another edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Mitch Reldis and Jesse Morrison. I'm Jeremy Schnell. Uh, Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, spoke today at Pac-12 Media Day. (laughs) A lot of things to talk about, but uh, I just want to get your guys' opinion on uh, him saying the conference is the strongest it's ever been. No, the strongest it's been in two decades. In two decades. That's what he said. Okay. He said, At least he put a timestamp on it. Strong, well, since he's been here. The strongest <laughs> it's been in two decades. Um, okay. Uh, no. You, lo- you, lost, you lost both L.A. schools. No, you're, you're, losing, you're losing both L.A. schools, which are probably, you know, two of probably the three or four biggest members in the conference. I, no offense to Arizona State, but I think probably the three biggest members in the conference, as far as sports go, are USC, UCLA, and Oregon. And you're losing two of three of those schools who are willing to travel all the way across the country to Piscataway, New Jersey to play (laughs) versus playing in your conference because they see the writing on the wall like the rest of us who don't work in the Pac-12 conference who seem to be absolutely delusional. Okay, true or false, Mitch? He likes saying Piscataway. Or he's using it as a point to say that they're traveling across the country. Look, I'll be honest. I'm not even sure where Piscataway is, even though Jesse just said it's in New Jersey. I don't know where it is in New Jersey. I'd it's never, in the state of New Jersey. It could be in the middle. It could never be heard of the city before. I don't know. But I mean, it's probably close to Newark. Look, to Jesse's point, like they're they're opting to play against Penn State. <laughs> right? They're opting to play Penn, Penn State twice every three years. That as should opposed be the Rose Bowl every Happy year. Valley, as opposed to staying in the Southern California area. And going against teams that they've gone against for years upon years upon years in the upper part of that state. Look, I'm shocked that he even opted to say it that way. But at the same time, what the heck else was he supposed to say? He's supposed to say, oh, we're, we're floundering right now. We're, we've just, got our one hand up and we're trying to reach for air, but we can't exactly get the air that we're trying to reach for. So I get it. Just, but it no, just sounds dumb. It just, sounds dumb. Just don't say that. Say like oh, you know, we're progressing as a conference. We like the direction that we're going. You don't have to say the conference is the strongest it has been in two decades. That's ridiculous. Um, So now this kind of segues into our next topic of conversation because Klyovkov said some stuff about or had a question asked to him about if he's worried about that people are talking about uh, how the conference may be on the verge of collapse. Here's what he said. I sit in the board meetings and I see the commitment that all of our schools have to each other. And I also kind of know where the sources of that is coming from. So um, I I, I discount that because I know the truth. What commitment? What, what commitment? We haven't heard a commitment from anybody. What what commitment is he talking about? I mean, there's been schools that say that they back the pack, but you're losing USC and UCLA. That's not commitment. They're like two of the most you know established members of the conference, and they're leaving. It's going to be Wazoo. There's something else that goes with those two leaving. It's the lack of an addition and a massive one that was just lost. A couple of days ago, after the Mountain West confirmed that San Diego State will not be leaving the conference anytime soon, it sounds like. Especially look at those. Uh, but that changes like every other. Look day. at those application <laughs> fees that they would have had to pay, or the rejection fees they would have to pay. Mm-hmm. Look, it goes both ways. It's the idea that not only is the conference now shrinking in a year, but now it doesn't feel like there's a backup plan as to how to keep the Pac-12 at 12. Like, the first thing that Larry Scott did when he came in was push it from 10 to 12. And I know we don't think of the Scott 
era or tenure within the Pac-12 fondly, but he at least tried to get the conference in a larger space. In 2024, will they be the Pac-10 again? Like, what, what's right? Is, are they going to go back to that? That's a huge. Or are question. they going to be the Pac-12 and just have ten members and be embarrassing in that way? That, well, I mean, the Big Twelve has like fourteen, so I guess numbers don't really. Yeah, matter, well, they right? used to be they used to be the Big Twelve with ten schools, and people made fun of that until until. And they said, make fun of this. Now we have two more than our numbers. So take yeah. that. But then they're about to be the Big 12 again because the Big 12 is also losing, you know, maybe its two most prominent members in Texas and Oklahoma. But they already have a contingency. They've got four schools coming in as soon as Oklahoma and Texas are gone. Like, but, they figured it out. They've already got something on the contingency. But it's okay because Klyovkov's he's not worried. Don't worry. He's not worried about uh, other teams poaching. Uh, other conferences. Other, other conferences poaching the teams from the Pac-12. Don't worry, guys. It's, it's not a concern. Our schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12. We'll get our meteorites deal done. We'll announce what? the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will, will come to an end for this cycle. And then the truth is we've got bigger fish to fry. You know, there are incredible opportunities and also challenges in front of college athletics. And I need to be able to work with all of my colleagues in Division One and particularly in the A5. And we'll do that. And we'll move past, you know, kind of all the bitter squad of the last year and, and we'll work together to make college athletics better but do you blame him like do you guys blame him for saying like he has to say this stuff right yeah no. like like no but like he has to he has to make it seem like everything's okay he can't just be like yeah we're collapsing he's he, he can't do that he he's needs, he's a commissioner of a conference he's lieutenant frank drebin from the naked gun standing in front of the fireworks store that's exploding and all the fireworks are going off and he's standing there saying all right Move along. There's nothing to see here. All of the fireworks are just exploding in the background. Like, of course, there's everything to see here right now, no matter what you say. He's the embodiment of the everything is fine meme, where he's just <laughs> standing there and everything is on fire and he's just sipping a cup of coffee and everything's US, and, okay. And don't worry, USC and UCLA are in Piscataway. Um <laughs> Anywho, um, uh, last... Hey, well, uh, quickly, yeah. quickly. Yeah. ASU should uh, jump ship and go to the Big 12, because this is a sinking ship. Um, so what's going to happen with this media rights deal? He said he was going to announce it. Did he not? Did you not hear what he just said? He said he's going to announce it. When? We will announce with, it. With who? All right. Here's what he said. CBS Sports Network, late nights on, uh, you know, on, on Tuesday nights, they're going to be playing football. PBS. <laughs> But I will tell you what we've seen is that the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get. And I think our board realizes that. And the, uh, there's an underlying shift in the media market that's happening. And we're long-term taking advantage of that. But short-term, it may have provided some hiccups. You know, it's funny because very earlier in the week, the Big 12 was having their media days. And Brett Yormark had told Sirius XM Radio that if he had not taken the meteorites deal when he had that chance, he wouldn't have that same deal right now. So that's a very interesting contrast that we're getting from the Pac-12 commissioner saying, oh, we're going to wait it out for the best deal because the best deal is yet to come. Really? Are you sure? What this seems like to me is they're waiting it out so that the one network or whatever that's desperate to have some college football on, the, the TV is going to be like, oh, you know, Pac-12, you could be on our station. Again, CBS Sports Network, maybe on Tuesday nights, they can go up against Maction. Uh, I think they're waiting for the Apple TVs and the Amazons to, like, 
come crying over to them because the 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 Thursday night football thing and the MLS thing isn't working. But I don't I don't think I don't think that's going to. I mean, the bit. Thursday night football thing is working because it's NFL and NFL always works. Generally speaking, meteorites deals they get hairy once somebody thinks that they're worth more or on the opposite side it's worth less than what one side sees. Just from experience, when I was growing up in Denver, there's the station that carries the Nuggets and the Avalanche. It's owned by the same broadcasting company. And after a while, they wanted a new deal with one of the the television providers. They have not come to terms on a deal for six years now. Hmm. No one that owns that certain subscription can watch Nuggets or Avalanche. And it's been going on and riling on for years. You do not want to get in this territory if you're George Klyovkov in the Pac-12, especially when you can see what is happening around you and understanding that everybody's kind of waiting on you to do something and they're worried that you're not going to make the right decision. It's a very high-pressure situation for Klyovkov right now. Here's my idea. So NBC Sports, they only have Notre Dame. That's like their only college football package. And NBC Sports is you know a long-standing um, you know they've got Sunday Night Football. They, they got the some, Olympics. Yeah, exactly. They're good. They're pretty exactly. good. They have uh, they're some great. golf. They so, have go- the golf channel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know why don't why don't they strike a deal with NBC Sports? You know, obviously they won't uh, overtake Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame will still get precedent, but they have some NASCAR they got the, too. The, yeah, they got NASCAR. They got the NASCAR championship. Um, they got <laughs> horse racing. They got Kentucky Derby. But yeah. NBC Sports, they, they don't have the NHL anymore, so they kind of need something. So USA Network has been showing a lot of sporting events for uh, NBC Sports. So yeah, why don't they do something with NBC Sports? I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, and it seems probably... like it'd be a good network to be on and you know be, be around with. And it's not a joke. It's not ION. You get Peacock, too. Was, so you can exactly, also get your exactly. linear and your nonlinear service exactly. in one package I, if I, you... I love NBC. that idea. Jesse, you forgot they also have literal the literal biggest league in the entire world. They have the Premier League. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's only on Peacock. Well, I think though, that's right? Jesse's point. Is no, that, it goes on USA and NBC okay. all the time. I think that um, Jesse's point is you want to get on a network that is in good standing and could afford to take a risk on something like the Pac-12 conference, which but, you don't know what it's going to be like a year from now. This, you really don't. This is the last thing I'll say about it. Do you not think that they've had these discussions internally and NBC was probably like, no, thank you. I, you know, I don't know what to think about what the PAC 12 does because, you know, sometimes I think it's like, and you know, I'll go, I'll go to this point. You know, I cover the WNBA. I love the WNBA. And sometimes I feel like the WNBA as a league shoots itself in the foot. And I feel like the PAC 12 does the bit of the same thing. Sometimes I feel like the WNBA doesn't think about stuff that could, you know, lead to more exposure because it's, you know, it's a great product. Um, and I feel like they don't push, they don't push that they're a great product sometimes. Um, and I feel like the PAC 12 might be in that same boat of like, hey, you guys can succeed. Who doesn't want to come and play and, you know, Southern Arizona, you know, when it's nice outside. Who doesn't want to go the Bay Area? The Bay Area's got, you know, great weather. Uh, Oregon's got its history with the Nike and the uniforms and everything. So, you know, I just don't understand why. I I just don't know if they have had those discussions. This is not reporting. It's just speculation. Like, I I just don't know. All right. Um, So that's that's it from the whole 
debacle from the press conference today. That was exciting. Um, so let's move on to yeah, bashing yeah, yeah. the Pac-12 a little bit more so, as we look at the so, um, Pac-12. Not too hard, though. Not no, too hard. Uh, I, <laughs> look at the Pac-12 media poll that just came out for the football season that is uh, starting in, uh, I mean, like, Next week is camp, Jesse. You're going to be there. I am. Um, how, how did you know that I was going to be there? <laughs> I know things about where you're going to be. Let's not make it too creepy now, boys. <laughs> Jeremy, I had not told you. Just just FYI, this must have been coming down from the, the suits or the polo shirt and khakis. <laughs> the suits. Uh, <laughs> I'm covering ASU's first fall camp practice on monday and apparently jeremy knew that again from the did you know i'm learning this now what from the polo shirt and khakis that told him thank you jesse we appreciate you you're gonna get us some videos and stuff some oh yeah audio of course course. yeah yeah. you know i'll be talking to kenny dillingham probably some players will you ask him about this media poll and where they're ranked they're ranked sure. 10th. They're ranked yeah. 10th right now. Yeah, and I'm hopefully hopefully this is inside. That's 10 out of 12 in case you didn't know what the Pac-12 meant. Um, 10th over who? Colorado and Stanford. They're ahead of Colorado? Well, yeah, Colorado lost all their players to to the portal. I don't know. I'm a little more <laughs> I'm a little more fascinated that Colorado's in the bottom part of the 12th, but I'm fasc- I, I'm fascinated that that Cal is above Arizona State. That's about it. I'm, yeah, I, I think this is about I, the right spot. So the the thing about Cal, and I get it, their football program has not been the greatest in the past few years. Neither has Arizona State's, at least most recently. But Cal at least has consistency going for them, sure. and they seem to appreciate the direction that they're going as a program. And, you know, I don't blame the heavyweights for being where they are. Like, USC was at one point a top-four team in the country. UCLA continues to be a favorite. Utah has been good year after year after year. Oregon is going to get another year of Bo Nix, which has got to be really exciting for them. I think I think it's really hard to gauge ASU just because of how much new there is going to be for them and how, I don't mean this is a bad thing, but how little experience that they have against a lot of this conference. I mean, Dillingham was only with Oregon for the one year. We, he only knows the conference based off of one year. It's recent, but it's only one year. But then you look at his track record of where he's been, too. He's been in the ACC, right? Sure. Like he's been in those southern states as well for different time periods. So he's been able to recruit all over the country, which it, it makes me happy about about that in particular. Um, but, no, Jesse, I, I think it's about right besides Cal. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in the— I, I think Arizona could possibly be higher too. I, I think somewhere in the seven to ten range is is where they're going to be four four and eight five and seven six and six. Uh, again, I don't trust the offensive line. I'm interested. An offensive line is so important. Um, I really don't understand Utah being at three. I yeah, think Utah I, will win the conference again because Utah is the best coached team in the conference, and they have oof. Cam Rising. Uh, coming back again, and he is one of the Wait. top quarterbacks. And I know Caleb Williams is really good, and I know Lincoln Riley is really good. Yeah. But <laughs> but as far as getting the most out of a little, uh, yeah, we've Utah talk, yeah. is the best coach team uh, up there with Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham. Whittingham is just a fantastic coach. I just find it hard to believe that, and I know it already happened last year, but I find it hard to believe that USC is going to let the way last year ended be a reason why they're not going to win it again. And I think Caleb Williams is going to go balls to the wall to try and go even beyond what he did last year as a Heisman winner. I think they'll be the number four team. 
um, in the college football playoff this year. Well, we finally have a Pac-12 team back in the college football playoff. Washington doesn't make any sense at two. No, I, I think Oregon should be above them. Penix is overrated. Well, let's let's not get fiery with other schools. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I saw him play last year. He didn't knock my socks off. He's overrated. The conference as a whole, though, you have to feel good about the quarterbacks yeah. that are going to be oh, in this conference. Like, for there's sure at for least the top four. Everyone except for Penix, who's overrated. <laughs> will, will you stop bashing a lefty? Come on. Ugh. Lefty quarterbacks, enough. Were you a Mark Brunel fan? Not really. Did you know that he was a lefty until just now? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> did you know Steve Young was a lefty? Yes, Jeremy. Steve Young is the only left-handed quarterback that's really worked out in the, in the NFL. Do you know Mark Brunel's dad used to be a substitute teacher where I went to uh, middle school? And he would sub several occasions. Hey, Jesse, what hand did Mike Vick throw with? He was left-handed, but again, <laughs> again, look at his stats. Wasn't that good. Had a couple good years. Uh-huh. I'm from and I'm from 45 minutes away from Blacksburg. Nobody asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. I should be. I, I mean, people would be surprised that I'm not defending Michael Vick. Rankings are getting the worst out of us, shall we? Um, so let's move on to some Kenny Dillingham ham topics. Uh, he has talked extensively about just recruiting in general, activate the valley, uh, and also has gotten a little bit into NIL talk as of late. Um, just your specific thoughts on what he's been saying lately, Jesse. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like we should we should play some of this stuff first. Um, thanks to Wills for going to the uh, yes, to the thanks, press thanks to Wills. And he, Shout and he, out Wills. And he wrote an article. Go check that out on ArizonaSports.com. Uh, first off, Lisa, uh, who's playing our audio today, uh, if you could play the cut that is, I want someone to get NIL that wants to be here. I want to reward our guys who are here. I want people to get NIL who wanted to be here. Not getting a kid here illegally, by the way. You can't actually do that in NCAA rules. Uh, to entice them with NIL. I want the Valley to support the people who choose to be here at such a high rate that it gets out that, man, Coach Dill, they never talk about it, but golly, that kid over there, he's making blank amount. Look at him. He's everywhere. This kid over here, he's making blank amount. They're starting quarterbacks making blank. Their linebackers are making blank. Everybody on their team makes blank because one big company paid a million dollars to pay all their players to do four events for them because they wanted the events. That's how I want NIL. I want the city to wrap around this team and use this team. I, I like that a lot. I do too. But can we just talk about how – fired up you get when Kenny Dillingham talks. Always. I, I, I say it every time. And, and the way he says the Valley gets me every time. Uh, the, every time. Let's hope Wolf doesn't have a problem with that. The way that Kenny oh, Dillingham the calls basin. it the Valley. It's the Basin. Yeah, it's the Basin. No, we all know yeah. it's the Basin. Um, but yeah, I love what he said there. Um, I think it's true. I think it's that's how NIL should be done. Um, I think that you know, it is against NCAA rules to say, like, hey, we're going to get you a million dollars if you come here. That's against the rules. But if but that... It, but it still happens. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Trust me. Of course it happens. <laughs> but if you, you know, if the word gets out there that there are big NIL opportunities at Arizona State, then that's the way that you can do it without breaking rules. So... You know, you can be committed to the NIL and committed to not breaking the rules. It's a great concept. Mitch, 
I, I don't want to continue to harp on NIL and what ASU needs to do better, but in terms of Kenny Dillingham and what he's saying, it's a start, right? Well, he's approaching it from the from the direction of I care about the football team first, which is important, and he emphasized that it's illegal to do it the opposite way, but <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I, I appreciate that he cares more about the product that gets on the field, which would then result in the product that comes to these players whether monetarily or substantially you know figuratively speaking i think it helps that he feels like a very powerful motivational speaker like we just talked about it (laughs) oh he's so amped up every time he talks i get fired up i listen to my boy dilly dilly and he's getting me riled up for the football season but i want to see it you know like he said it himself i want someone to get the nil but they want to they got to want to be here. Sure. Well, I want to see the proof that said player wants to be here, and they're not just going to jump ship after a good year because there is a better NIL deal opportunity elsewhere. And this kind of calms my, I guess, criticisms of the recruits that ASU has been getting so far in the Kenny Dillingham era. You know, maybe they aren't the top guys, but... Maybe they fit the culture, as I just discussed earlier. And maybe it's because other teams are playing dirty and they kind of have to okay. do it the right I, way. I, sure. Um, <laughs> th- th- there's there's a, probably a reason why they have to do it the right way right now. <laughs> Investigation. Um, but anyway. Allegedly. Ele- well, it, they are being investigated. That is... <laughs> that is... I had, I had to throw allegedly out. That there. is not an allegedly, though. <laughs> there is an NCAA investigation. That's not... That's not. But it was the previous coaching regime. It was not this one. Um but still, they, the, the program as a whole needs to, needs to stay clean. But again, Kyle Whittingham for, from Utah. Great football program up, up there in Salt Lake City. But it's never really these big-name guys. It's all about coaching. And so maybe Dillingham is getting players that are fitting the culture that want to be at Arizona State. And then, you know, once they get to be a cam rising, then they'll get that NIL money. And then maybe some of the players that are top, you know, top flight recruits will, will hear about it. And then it'll spiral into a successful program. That's just a hypothetical, but it's, it's a promising one. Look, forgive me for not knowing what kind of a star recruit Dalton Kincaid was out of high school. But I think if you get drafted in the first round, wherever you were collegiately, you did a pretty darn good job, especially for a pretty slim pickings position group that is tight end. Like to Jesse's point about what Whittingham has done with Utah, it's I'm not hearing a whole bunch about like, hey, check out the five star recruit that Utah is bringing in this year. Like year after year, they're a very darn good football program. And I don't hear much about like who's a big ticket name. Who's the big guy? Who's the guy that's coming in and is going to reshape this program and bring them to just like who was Cameron rising before he arrived yeah. in Utah? Right. Even even further, who was Kyle Whittingham? Before he arrived in Utah. He's just basically been in Utah. Yeah. Right. He was under Urban Meyer. Yeah. Well, um, that helps. And so that does kinda, it. <laughs> that kind of goes to the cut that we're about to play as well, uh, that Dillingham said that he doesn't want those, quote, publicity stunt uh, recruits. Can't just try to flip the switch and say we want this player because he's ranked high because it looks good. This isn't about publicity stunts. There's been multiple four stars that I could have gotten that we didn't think was good enough. I don't want a publicity stunt. I want players that fit the culture, that fit the place. 
And that gives me hope about Jaden Rashada because he is a big-time recruit, and it got a lot of publicity. So that means that you know he's probably a, a good culture guy because if Dillingham is turning down four stars in favor of good culture guys, that means that you're getting both a, a four-star and a good culture guy in Jaden Rashada. I'm excited to see um, next week when the guys get on the field and when they – I know we saw it a little bit during uh, during fall camp, spring camp. I don't I don't know the seasons, Jesse. Spring football. Spring football. That's spring football. kind of what they call We're it. We're currently yeah. in the summer, if yeah. that helps. Okay, yeah. It's, it's uh, spring – Summer sprawl, uh, spring, w- uh, fall, winter. Um, <laughs> Jesse, yeah, Dalton so Kincaid. I found Dalton Kincaid's <laughs> rivals' uh, recruiting profile. Okay, hit me. Out of Las Vegas, Nevada, in 2018, he was a verbally committed to San Diego, not San Diego State. At one point, USD. University of San Diego. Shout out Josh Johnson. He's been on every NFL wow. team. Uh, the other schools that he had that not, were not ranked, by the way. Yeah, not ranked. Two star, two star guy. Yeah. Uh, he had Black Hill State. Don't know what that is. Chadron State. Don't know that. UC San Diego. I didn't know that school existed, but shout out UC San Diego. Gorgeous campus. And by uh, the way. Valparaiso in uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, uh, which has had some decent basketball success, kind of. Nice. So the point being is that a guy who was barely looked at in high school made it to Utah and then got drafted in the first round of the NFL. Correct. That's pretty cool. It can happen to just about anybody. Yeah, pretty good cool. coaching. And surely there will be somebody on this roster that can replicate that kind of success, right? Probably. I would hope so. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap a bow on our Kelly, Kenny Dillingham ASU football segment of this podcast. Um Let's just move on to what we've seen in the rest of ASU athletics recently, especially Willie Bloomquist. Is it hot in here? Jesse? It is actually. Jesse, you're relatively toasty. Your thoughts? Uh, So. I really just didn't want to read this the other day when it came across my Willie is doing the thing, uh, is kind of being an anti Kenny Dillingham. uh, And he's not exactly embracing NIL here at the. Arizona State baseball coach. Um, And I'm scrolling through this article right now to get to the quote. Um, And here it is. And this is, uh, uh, he says, uh, sensitive topic in general. I think it's, uh, it's, which is NIL, is going to destroy college baseball and college sports just because there's no cap on it. It can't be regulated, said Bloomquist. Uh, It's getting to the point where it's out of hand and people are offering players behind other programs' backs. It's turning ugly. Um, There's shifty, shady things going on all over the place that we've experienced firsthand recently. But at the end of the day, it's going to turn into the wild, wild west. If it hasn't, it's only going to get worse. Um, He says he's not opposed to to players getting paid. Yeah. I th- he says, I think for the amount of effort and time they put into the sport to make some money, I have zero problem with that, but it's turning into a very, very dirty, ugly business behind the scenes. So maybe not the anti-Kenny Dillingham. He's kind of saying the same thing, but I feel like it's it's just very publicly kind of anti-NIL, and I feel like it's going to the, – the part that he said that uh, you know it's 
It's an aggressive I, I, approach yeah. from an oldie. Like, not sense. to disrespect how old he is, but Bloomquist came from an era where this did not exist, obviously. I, yeah. And now he's got to essentially compete with it on top of trying rebuilding up a baseball program that he's only helmed for two years going on his third year now. I just hate that he called it a sensitive topic because it's not a sensitive topic. And maybe, like he, maybe the first he, year it was. No, but he literally said later that he's cool with the players getting paid. So it doesn't make it a sensitive topic. The the, the sensitive part about it is, is, yeah, maybe there's some dirtiness in there. But you don't think the NCAA is going to make an example out of someone at some point? Yeah, and by the way, this <laughs> article is by Everett Williams. Um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. Uh, but... You know, again, what my problem is is that he he went right into like criticizing NIL sure. without saying players should be paid, but NIL, you know, there's some issues with it. That's what I, I wish he had started with the players should be paid because then I feel like it it comes off as a little bit of a better approach versus like oh maybe you know I feel like this comes off to recruits that he's anti NIL. I wonder if. And this is just me assuming. This is not me confirming anything by any means necessary. I don't know nothing. Reckless speculation. You're good. NIL seems to be heavily emphasized for the money-making sports, does it not? Football and basketball, right? Okay, there's NIL deals for all of the collegiate athletic sports, okay? I understand that. But where do you think the emphasis of the NIL money is going to be going towards, I think it just, especially for a university that has kind of been middle for the last several years with their football program and their basketball program, while all of their other sports have been consistent and competitive in the top 25 across the country? It's probably an adjustment in that landscape as well. Well... I feel like NIL kind of depends on the school, because if you're gonna, if you're talking about UConn, they're probably more focused on getting NIL deals for their men's and women's basketball teams. I don't even think they have a football team. They do have a football team. They, they're, well, they're an it goes to show that maybe they should spend more money on it. Or exactly. Something. But I know I, they have a football team because they've played Syracuse a few times. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but I feel like it just depends on the school. Um, LSU, for some reason, feels like they can put it into every sport. I don't know why, but like literally everything. Especially women's basketball and gymnastics. Women's basketball, gymnastics, football, baseball. I, they, I mean, they just won the. They, they basically won they a baseball won the title. national yeah. championship off the backs of NIL, uh, from what I but the understand. But ama- the amount of. I, I don't think you guys grasp the amount of money they are paying their gymnasts. And women's basketball players. They right aren't now. paying them. The NIL collectives are paying. Correct, but I, I, it's the, it's getting the, them to the university is it, what it's doing. The amount of money that those women's student athletes are getting right now, good for them, and it's insane. Yeah, I was <laughs> on. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched. It's on like Snapchat or TikTok or something. But there's this dude that runs around and like films people in, in like expensive cars or like walks up to their house and is like what do you do for a living and sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that he some uh girl rolled up in a purple like either tesla or porsche suv and he's like what do you do for a living and she goes i'm a gymnast for lsu and 
you know, it's it, that's obviously like an NIL deal that is that is what's paying off there. And with the really cool. Port- <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Imagine <laughs> that being a recruiting tool. You get this sweet car. So it's like, you know, I mean, I feel like it just depends on the school, Mitch. And I feel like with Arizona State and their rich baseball history. Barry Bonds went to Arizona State. Rick Monday. Barry Dustin Bonds. Like the, look, the list goes Majority. on as far as the baseball players are concerned. But ASU should care about NIL for baseball. They and, and they haven't been good recently. I'm not, They've arg- not been good. I'm not arguing any of those things that you just said. My point is that, as I wonder, is if they're going to try and get their money-making sports kind of like out of the edge of the gutter, so to speak, and they're going to use a majority of the NIL deal to do that. Like, the Sun Angel Collective... Great work what they're doing to getting this NIL group completely funding for everything. I don't really hear about them for anything other than football, like at least publicly. If they are working for the other sports, fantastic. Retract my statement. But I really only hear them talking about the football program. Sure. Um, and let's go to the another program that we've uh, wanted to talk about a little bit in terms of NIL, and that's the men's basketball program with Bobby Hurley. Um Number one, shout out Hode at Devil's Digest. He uh, was the one that provided this tweet for us. Thanks, Hode. Um, On NAL, shout out Hode. Hurley said that while it's hard to lose some players due to that aspect, but he just puts his head down and goes to work and is happy with the players he does have on his team. Hurley did applaud Jemiah Neal and didn't look for a one-time payout. That he didn't look for a one-time payout, but saw the big picture and how he flourished last year in Tempe. Hurley said that Frankie Collins and Alonzo Gaffney did the same in staying at ASU. So basically what it sounds like to me is that there's not enough money at ASU for NIL, and the guys that stuck around are just guys that were like, okay, well, you know what, I don't really care about money, and I had a good year here last year, so I'm going to stay here. And and, they, and continue to play. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like that they're doing anything beneficial financially by staying <laughs> at Arizona State, which shout out to them. I love that they're coming back, especially Jemiah Neal. That guy is so good. Um, I can't wait to see him in an expanded role this year. Um, but, you know, I do think that there's various different factors in why players have left the men's basketball program, but obviously NIL is a huge one here. And from these quotes that Hode t- tweeted, like it just seems like ASU again is behind. Well, I mean, they lost like half of their starting roster. Yeah, or their starting lineup, I should say. I think Part they of- lost their entire starting roster except for one guy. Uh, one of the guys they basically removed from the team very, very early on, and he was going to leave anyway, as we all know. But to Jesse's point, you are starting from behind. And reading those quotes, it doesn't sound like the guys that came back are really all that committed to the actual basketball program if they were focused on trying to get the bag, per se. I mean, that's and what I, look, I see it as they're they're committed to the ASU program versus NIL. They and were they weren't focused on getting the bag is what Bobby was saying. Yeah, I guess that would make more sense. Yeah, I just I just wonder if it's one of those coming to what's the phrasing I want to use. It's one of those realization moments <laughs> where you go out there thinking that your value is a lot higher than it actually is. And you kind of come back with your tail between your legs, knowing that they're going to take you back because look at everybody else that's left. They need you to come back. Like the lo- the loss of DJ Horn, I think, is going to hurt a lot more than people are expecting it to. 
because we're all high on Jemiah, and that's totally appropriate because he was awesome as a sixth man last year. And he's a great defender. But DJ Horn was very, <laughs> very important in those games that were down the stretch and leading them into that field of 64 to get out of that. Yeah. Dayton game. But I wouldn't say that he was the best player on the team. Like, I, I don't mean Des Cambridge like, Jr. was the best player on the team. I don't mean it as best player on the team. I just mean most impactful. Yeah. And like he was a, going a to few be, games. Yeah. He was going games. to be yeah. back, and I'm not going to knock a dude for wanting to go home, but it really sucks that ASU doesn't get to have him again next yeah. year. You know what I was just thinking that made me kind of chuckle when we were talking about this? Can you imagine if Bobby Jr. took a bag somewhere? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but um, it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to uh, October, November, December what happens with the basketball program and if we if they can get in a, another score or two in in the portal cuz uh, time's running out there um let's see is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on yeah. oh yes that's right Gabby Rennie yeah Shout out New Zealand, baby. Yeah, shout out New Zealand. So Gabby Rennie, she's a striker on uh, the ASU soccer team. Uh, New Zealand, uh, they're hosting the Women's World Cup. Alongside Australia. Alongside Australia, yeah. Uh, they won 1-0 over Norway on, on Thursday. 1-0. Okay. Can we not overcorrect Jesse? He's doing an awesome <laughs> thing here. Please, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, it was the first men's or women's World Cup win for New Zealand. Um, and Gabby Rooney got in. She played six minutes in the game. Nice. She helped lead her team to the net or to another group stage game uh but uh to, to, to the a, first win that they've ever had they got they got, they got three points they're they're they at the top of the group right they're, now. yeah they're at the top of the group they're at the top of the group <laughs> big win for new zealand uh shout out to new zealand it's a you know it's a great uh looking country if you ever watched lord of the rings was that, that it? That's, that's all I got. That's yeah. all you got. Yep, okay, yep. perfect. So sh- shout I, out yeah. that. I would like to go visit the Shire one day. I will say that. I did um, want to throw this out there, too, really quickly. Um, Diamondbacks are playing well, and it sounds like former Sun Devil Merrill Kelly may be on the verge of returning on Tuesday. Ooh, yeah. Merrill so, Kelly. So we'll get to see him back on the field soon, too, which would be good for multiple reasons. One, because Fork's up, but two, because the Diamondbacks could really use him right now. Yeah, Mitch in his D-back shirt. Yeah, I've got I've got Merrill Kelly on the shirt. He's right here. The anime version of Merrill Kelly is right here. Merrill Kelly, uh, Corbin Carroll, and Jake McCarthy. Yeah, go listen to Ain't No Fang. I think they're recording next to us, actually, right now. Spoiler alert! Um, that's going to do. It. <laughs> I saw them walk into the other studio. I don't know. <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of State of the Sun Devils. Thank you so much for listening. For Jesse Morrison and Mitch Ferreldis, I'm Jeremy Schnell. It's a great day to be a Sun Devil, Jesse. Sure.